Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 18th of December 2012. For newcomers, I advise you to make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll see on that site a bunch of other ones listed. These are the official sites I have. They, they all carry audios for download. If you find sticking on any, any particular link, try another one. And also they carry uh, transcripts in English for print up. All those sites. If you go into Alan Watts Sentient, Sentinel.e, you'll find transcripts and other languages to choose from. And what I do is go through the history of the system we're living in, and it is a system. Uh, some of it was based on sort of natural evolution, you may say societal evolution, that is. And uh, as societies do evolve, we're evolving right now as a society. Most folk don't know it has been done deliberately, of course, because we're, it's run by science at the top. And what I go through is a history of these techniques, of course, down through the ages up to the present time, and then the, the foundations and organizations that got together, private organizations, a long time ago, and decided to bring in this world-type system, this world government, so that a few of, uh, of, of a people, a minority actually, could rule the world. And it's pretty well here, actually. It truly is here. And bankers got together and uh, formed the first big private organization openly for that because it existed already in other forms in the 1800s but they openly they called themselves the Royal Institute for International Affairs and they gave branches across the world called Council on Foreign Relations and they admit in their own writings that they've been responsible for pretty well all the wars for the last hundred years and, and no doubt about the present ones too they're also responsible for bringing uh, the European Union together and they want the United Americas and they've already done the same thing with a, a group that's still affiliated to the, in, in the Far East. So three trading blocks basically under a world governmental system. And the, the IMF, the World Bank, the BIS, and uh, the GATT Treaty and all the rest of it, the World Court, all these things are part of the structure of a world government as we go through the Great Transition, as they call it. So help yourself to the website and remember that you bring me to you because I'm not backed by advertisers or anything like that. And... Um, if you like what you hear, you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You can also donate, hopefully. And uh, to do so, go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll see how to do it. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders. You can still use Send Cash and you can even use PayPal. And across the world, Western Union, money, and you've got uh, PayPal once again. But most folk are driven. We're all driven today by mass media. And entertainment too. It's all one big conglomerate really. And even what you see in entertainment is, is indoctrinating you to the next step and the next step and the next step. So you will think that whatever changes are, are put out by governments are inevitable. And nothing is further from the truth. There's many ways society could, could go, you know. But we're guided along the way it's supposed to go, according to the ones who already own the world. 
And down through history, there have been dominant minorities. Huxley's gone through that, other people too. There's always been dominant minorities in every age. And even the dominant minority of America has changed to a different dominant minority, for instance, that brings in their, their culture. And they've adapted to that without even knowing about it. All they see is a fallout, but they don't know what's wrong. So we're going through as a system, a change, as I say, into the world government, dreamed by, of by many for a long, long time. Some are utopians, many of the followers are utopians, the ones at the top are not utopian at all. They know exactly what they're doing, and they want to depopulate the world as we go along into this great plan, of course, because you see science rules supreme at the top, and uh, academia is completely on board with all of this agenda, all of it. So it's just astonishing. So help yourself to the website and we'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and it's astonishing too for a lot of people to see the ridiculous stories are out today to do with climate change, climate change, even though I've read so many articles over the years from the top sources themselves and the organizations that make up this whole movement where their leaders come out and tell you that they always give you terrifying, scary scenarios uh, to, to make us listen to them so they can get what they want. And some of them even say, even if it's, if it's all science, if it's all bogus science, uh, then the intention is good because it's going to redistribute the wealth across the world. So that's, so that's the real intention of it. It's part of the real intention of it, at least. And of course, they're doing that. And what they're really doing is giving your cash to their own corporations across the world. They're international corporations. They're international, right? So wherever they put some in third world countries, whatever, still the same corporations. And so big things are happening as we run uh, by conology, and that's what I call it, conology. But there's a good article about climate change here. It says, it says the, the aboriginal climate change. It says the entire premise of man-made climate change is that we mankind, because of our modern industrial lifestyle, have altered the natural order of the climate system. And this is bad. It's so bad that mankind should do something to fix what we've done and stop what we're doing. More and more, however, it seems that the climate change academia complex is undermining their own case for the very premise, which is the foundation of their theory. Not to mention the considerable taxpayer funding. It's easy to see how this happens. Academics know that there's a honeypot of money for any research going to do with climate change, combined with their underlying faith in the reality of man-made climate change conduct studies, which to an objective observer actually undermines their case. But the academics act as another warning to the uniform, the uninformed public. So the other day pointed out, this, this writer pointed out a report of a study on how climate change had helped lead to the downfall of the Mayan Empire. The authors seemed not to realize that their findings went a long way towards undermining the man-made ingredient of the entire theory, because the Mayans, you know, they didn't have a, what we call heavy industry. Everything that the alarmist community is trying to sell society is dependent on the idea that we are experiencing or will experience what we're going to do is unprecedented and, of course, man-made. So when they do studies which show that conditions in the past were as bad or worse than what we're experiencing or forecast to experience, a reasonable person would ask, how have we impacted the climate if the climate has always acted this way? 
says, again, we have another example of study of a study disproving man-made climate change out of the University of Queensland called Ancient Culture Affected by Climate. The Associate Professor Hamish McGowan from University of Queensland's School of Geography, Planning and Environmental Management said the studies in the northwest Kimberley have shown there was a rapid change in climate around 5,500 years ago. It could be rapid change in climate 5,500 years ago in Aboriginal Australia. It doesn't that sort of put a damper on the whole unprecedented, not to mention man-made claims of today's far less dramatic events. If you want to talk about some serious climate disruption, consider this. Research shows that the likely reason for the demise of the Guian artists was a mega drought spanning approximately one and a half thousand years. A mega drought lasting one and a half thousand years without benefit of a modern society's fossil fueled input. Is that even possible? What would cause such a thing? And then brought on by climate, uh, changing climate conditions that caused the collapse of the Australian summer monsoon. If naturally occurring changing climate conditions could cause such havoc, I consider a 1,500-year-long drought severe. Why are our modern-day soothsayers so convinced that we are responsible for far less dramatic climate change? Just another example of pre-industrial severe climate change, far exceeding anything which sends the alarmist community into apocalyptic tizzydom, it says here. So I'll put that up tonight. It's quite a good... Uh, it's true enough, too, you know. They, uh, when the same climatologists come out with what happened a long, long, long time ago, before we were even on the go sometimes, uh, how can they say that it's all caused by us today? Or it's a lot less severe. Also tonight, too, I'll put an article on the International Monetary Fund. Again, we're trained to understand, to believe that all these institutions that created themselves, because we didn't vote for any of these institutions like the United Nations, World Bank, or anything like that, uh, or even the G20 for that matter. It says, when the IMF says it will rescue Greece, and so the IMF is this topic, we're all providing the funding. And here's how the IMF works. With a 40 uh, billion euro, that's European money, commitment to the bailout of Greece in the first week of May, and 250 billion euro commitments to the EU's Eurozone st- stabilization mechanism a week later, the curious amongst us may ask, where does the IMF get its money? The short answer is from all its members, countries, including Australia. In other words, we're all funding the IMF's activities. We all pay into it. Well, they all signed on to this, all the, all the countries, along with the, when they did the United Nations stuff. So to understand how this works in practice, it's useful to consider the history of the IMF and its function. The IMF was conceived in July 1944 when representatives of 45 countries meeting in the town of Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, and northeastern U.S. agreed on a framework for international economic cooperation to be established after the Second World War. This is where the Bretton Woods agreements uh, on relatively fixed exchange rates came from. The founders believed that such a framework was necessary to avoid a repetition of the disastrous economic policies that had contributed to the Great Depression. Since then, the world has changed dramatically, but the IMF's main purpose to provide a public, um, global public good of financial stability has remained unchanged. More specifically, the IMF continues to provide a forum for cooperation on international monetary problems, facilitate the growth of international trade, promote exchange rate stability, and lend countries foreign exchange when needed. So you've got to pay massive amounts into it every year. Every country does this, even if you don't borrow from them. The IMF is a specialized agency of the United Nations with its own charter and governing structure where they drafted up themselves, of course. It's got a membership of 186 countries with each assigned a quota that determines a country's maximum financial commitment to that IMF. 
and its voting power. Australia's quota is SDR 3.2 billion and the US as the largest member has a quota of SDR 37.1 billion. SDR is the acronym for Special Drawing Rights. The IMF's own currency created in 1969 is an international reserve asset and is based on a basket comprised of the British pound, the euro, the Japanese yen and the United States dollar, but its value is measured in US dollars daily. So as for how the IMF funds its activities, firstly from the quotas. Each member must pay 25% of its quota to the IMF upon joining. Furthermore, quotas are reviewed every five years for a possible increase. Well, I'll tell you what it really is, you see. Because the Royal Institute for International uh, Affairs, the private organization of bankers that funded the CFR and created them too, this organization actually picks and selects every prime minister for the last hundred years in all the Commonwealth countries and other countries now, to including the, the EU. Uh, they decided a long time ago uh, that they would bring in a world-type system uh, which was called the League of Nations, and then they created the, the, the United Nations. And then they, would, they said they would bring in a bank of international settlements, and then with all their private central banks the BIS, Bank for National Settlements, would deal with all the country's cash. We're all put down, you understand, as basically slaves. Every single country to the bankers. Now, now, the Bank for International Settlements is a private group again. And the World Bank is a private group again. And the IMF is a private group again, with its own charters, I've just read, and governing structure. And they're now telling countries, such as all the ones belonging to the EU bloc, the new Soviet bloc, uh, that they've got to keep bailing out Greece or Spain or this country. And they, you've got 11 days to pay up when they demand money from you. Because you're a member. And you signed on to all that nonsense. So all the citizenry of the world basically has signed on to this pretty well, all the big countries, to, to, as for, as to perpetual slavery. And then when you do, if you borrow from the World Bank, the IMF comes in, like the, the heavy, and they run your country. And, and they cut back your health care and everything, your slash pensions, the whole lot, until you, you're up to, not paid it off. They don't want you to pay it off. They want you to be in debt. But they want you to get to a certain standard. And then you take over again. The IMF helped run Britain, uh, for instance, when Maggie Thatcher was, and most folk didn't know that. So... I know it's two also pulling up tonight too. The, the Philippines just joined it and their quota to join it. It says $500 million. That's what Philippines of all places, this dirt poor has to pay to get in. And God's help them when they're in. Mind you, the boys who sign on to the top and, and the power structure, the dominant minority again, will rake in the cash in their lifetime and they'll, they'll flog it amongst their own families and all the rest of it. You'll know that's what, that's what happens. And then the rest of the country is left with a massive, massive debt, of course, which they'll never pay off. So that's what your IMF is for those that want to. And I'll put this whole article, that's only part of the article, I'll put the whole thing up tonight, as I say, too, and the one on the Philippines joining it as well. That's what it says, Philippines to contribute $500 million to an IMF facility. <laughs> so bankers run the world, as it was set up to do by those who formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs. It was all big top bankers and... and uh, 
even for some of the first heads that they had were chairmans of different big banks themselves. Now, image making is a big, big thing in this day and age. And there's a massive machinery, of course. I've mentioned about how they make stars of all kinds, whether it's music or, or acting or whatever. It's all done by a massive machinery. And they can make anybody a star today. Anybody at all, pretty well. And as if they want you, they can make enough money off you in, in the meantime. But also, too, you forget that it's all your media it gives, it does its own public relations. In Canada here, for instance, they'll have ads on television talking about the, the most trusted man in Canada, Mr. Mansbridge, who gives you your mainstream news from the government-owned uh, CBC, Television and Radio Corporation. But I'll, I'll get back on this topic when I come back from this break. Hold on. Hi folks, I am back, cutting through the matrix and talking about the system that we live in too and, and how they, they create reputations for corporations and companies and so on. And you, you'll find that even if people sell books and, and they go on programs, they're told to keep repeating and repeating and repeating their book uh, all the way through it, for instance, or their name or whatever. That's how the, the marketing works. And um, you forget that they're actually creating a reputation and it's called that in the business too. Just like when you're building the same thing for movie stars or whatever. It's reputation, create reputation. And it's done through repetition. But there's an ad I'll put up today too. It's called Content Writers Needed Today in Pennsylvania. And it says Reputation Changer. Reputation. The number one online reputation management company in the country. is also a major online publisher with 1,000 content sites covering news, entertainment, lifestyle, and business, and so on. Currently seeking full and part-time contract writers and the right candidates to possess strong command of English, blah, 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 and journalism, etc. They'll be required to generate articles based on current trends, so they cash in on all the trends that are working, and breaking news stories, and, uh, and, and so on. And it says they'll also be tasked with creating original, compelling content for client blogs and websites. So you understand, you also help create the reputation of the clients. You, you, and you also, and, and those jobs too, you find ways, and some companies find ways to take down nasty things about clients. You pay a lot of cash for that, for reputation changing, uh, either way. So I'll just put that up tonight to show you that it's everything today, everything out there, takes a lot of cash to, to, to get done. Uh, and to create the right kind of image, you might say. So I'll put that up tonight. But reputation changer, I thought it was quite, quite a good one. And we know for a fact, too, that lots of stuff gets put up on, uh, for instance, um, those who want to bring the population, their world down, etc. Uh, Japan just dropped a whole a whole part of an article. They were forced to j- drop it uh, from about Bill Gates, uh, wanting to depopulate the world, so they retracted different parts out of the, the, the whole article so that the Japanese wouldn't see that part at all, that he's actually into eugenics and wants to massively depopulate the world. So big money talks, of course, and that's why all media is controlled by the few, you know. And uh, they, they give you your opinions, they give you your thoughts, and they give you your reality, in fact, because that's where your reality comes from, is information. 
And it's all the same information coming from a thousand sources. You don't realize it's all owned by the same people who own chains and chains of media. Now, talking about the banks and IMF and all the rest of it too, uh, they're, they're putting little fish out there for the public to see for the first time from the banking disasters. It says, two former hedge fund man- managers are found guilty in insider trading case. It says, Todd Newman was found guilty of fraud and conspiracy in an insider trading case. Uh, Luis Lanzano, Associated Press, it says, uh, told Newman was found guilty of fraud and conspiracy in an insider trading. So two former hedge fund managers were found guilty on Monday, it says. They're the latest convictions in the government's campaign to eliminate illegal conduct on Wall Street trading floors. Well, they're not going to do that because you have to clean the whole lot of them out. So after two full days of deliberations, the jury convicted Anthony Cason, or Chason, co-founder of Level Global Investors, and Todd Newman, a former portfolio manager at Diamondback Capital Management. The two had denied charges that they could participate in a conspiracy that made more than $70 million illegally trading technology stocks. And it goes into the whole story and so on. But, uh, I mean, even at that, 70 million during the massive scam that's going on is, is, is peanuts. So they're putting a small fry out there for the public to say, oh, well, they're doing something about it. Because it's going to happen again, you know. The, the, the whole system and industry is based on conology again. The whole system is. And this is interesting, too, but the pressure, tell me the pressure again of... of um, of image making or, or, or and, and so on and, and keeping reputation or creating reputation. Um, it says Newtown School Shootings, a U.S. private equity firm, an equity firm, money firm, has said it's to sell its stake in the maker of the of the AR-15 style rifle used in Newtown uh, school shootings. It says Cerberus Capital Management's move came after pressure from one of its own biggest investors. And guess where its biggest investor was? The California State Teachers Retirement System. <laughs> and so Cerberus uh, bought Bushmaster in 2006 and more gun makers since, merging them into Freedom Group, which it will now sell. The firm said it wanted to avoid being drawn into the gun control con- controversy. The announcement by uh, Cerberus came four days after 20 young children and so on. Six adults were killed by 20-year-old gunman Adam Lanza at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Houston, Connecticut. So there you go. This is the power, too, of keeping reputation, and it's the power, too, of pressure from some of the biggest uh, unions and their retirees out there, incredible wealth out there uh, to, to put pressure on folk to, to you know, just draw your, you know, if you don't drop this, we'll, we'll just pull our pensions and so on from you and put it into another company. Massive. Same with advertising, too. If you say the wrong things about certain things, there'll be certain organizations immediately will have all the ads that you have and whatever you're doing pulled off of you. They put pressure on advertisers to do so. This is the real world that you live in. And the CIA, the CIA, what is the CIA, you know? Who runs it, really? Who really runs it? I mean, you're not, you don't understand it's a shadow government in a sense, and even even politicians can't find out what they're really up to most of the time, or who staffs it. The other guys who are supposed to be in charge of it, but are they really even? We'll talk about that when I come back from this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks, and back. We're cutting through the Middle Time with the CIA and what really are they? I mean, what is the CIA? Who's in it? And uh, are they even American? Is another thing, too. I mean, we know about um, double agents and all the rest of it from all the Cold War era, and I'm sure they've got lots of the same thing going on and say, the MI6 and CIA today. So who really runs it? But anyway, to do with the CIA of today, it says... European Court of Human Rights has ruled German citizen Khaled El Masri was tortured by CIA agents. The first time the court has described treatment meted out by the CIA as torture. It takes them a while in government to, to actually get, you know, the picture sort of thing. CIA agents tortured a German citizen by sodomizing and shackling and then beating him. As Macedonian state police looked on, the European Court of Human Rights said in a historic judgment released on Thursday, and a unanimous ruling also found Macedonia guilty of torturing, abusing, and secretly imprisoning Khaled El Masri, who's a German of Lebanese origin, allegedly linked to terrorist organizations. He was seized in Macedonia December 2003, handed over to a CIA rendition team at Skopje Airport, and secretly flown to Afghanistan. It's the first time the court has described it, as I say, uh, as, as even torture. The Grand Ch- Chamber, imagine getting just a bag put over your head and away you go. The Grand Chamber of the European Court of Human Rights unanimously found that Mr. El Masri was subjected to forced disappearance. Well, that's, I'd call it that, yeah. Unlawful detention, extraordinary rendition outside any judicial process, and inhuman and degrading treatment, said James Golson, executive director of the Open Society Justice Initiative. He described the judgment as an authoritative condemnation of some of the most objectionable tactics employed in the post-9-11 war on terror. It should be a wake-up call for the Obama administration and U.S. courts, he told The Guardian, for them to continue to avoid serious scrutiny of CIA activities was simply unacceptable, he said. Well, they can say a lot until they make a law, nothing changes, right? Jamil Dakwar of the American Civil Liberties Union described the ruling, the ruling as a huge victory for justice and the rule of law, but it still doesn't do anything. I won't change anything. Use of CIA interrogation methods widely denounced as torture during the Bush administration's war on terror also came under scrutiny in Congress Thursday. The U.S. Senate's Select Committee on Intelligence was expected to vote on whether to approve a mammoth review it has undertaken into, uh, undertaken into the controversial practices that included waterboarding, stress positions, forced nudity, beatings and sleep and sensory deprivation. The report that runs to almost 6,000 pages based on a three-year review of more than 6 million pieces of information is believed to conclude that the enhanced interrogation techniques adopted by the CIA during the Bush years did not produce any major breakthroughs in intelligence contrary to previous claims. Uh, the committee, which is dominated by the Democrats, is likely to vote to approve the report, though opposition from the Republican members may prevent the report ever seeing light of day. The Strasbourg court said it found Masri's account of what happened to him to be established beyond reasonable doubt and that Macedonia had been responsible for his torture and ill treatment both in the country itself and after his transfer to the U.S. authorities in the context of an extrajudicial rendition. There's no papers or anything handed over. They just grab you and away you go. So... 
it goes through the whole history how the, the Macedonian police took, took this guy to a hotel in Skopje where he was kept locked in a room for 23 days and questioned in English despite his limited proficiency in the language about his alleged ties with terrorist organizations. The court said in its judgment his request to contact the German embassy were refused. At one point when he said he intended to leave, he was threatened with being shot. Masri's treatment at the airport at the hands of the CIA rendition team being severely beaten, sodomized, shackled and hooded and subjected to a total sensory deprivation had been carried out in the presence of state officials of Macedonia and within its jurisdiction, the court ruled. But it was the CIA who did it all, including the sodomizing. I mean, doesn't that make you wonder what kind of culture you have left? Who runs your culture? You better ask these questions, folks, because it's not American. This is not American. It's not the old America. That's all gone. All gone. The whole culture is gone. It added its government was consequently responsible for these acts performed by foreign officials and it had failed to submit any arguments explaining or justifying the degree of force used or necessity of the invasive and potentially debasing measures. And it goes on and on and on. Anyway, nothing is going to change, as I say. It's quite a nasty report. That's only a fraction of it. But this guy was released in 2004, taken blindfolded, handcuffed by plane to Albania and subsequently to Germany after the CIA admitted he was wrongly detained. This is after they did it all, including buggering him. That's, that's, that's what they do these days. Hmm. Now, Facebook's photo sharing site Instagram has updated its privacy policy, giving itself the right to sell users' photos to advertisers without notification. But what do you expect with Facebooks? What was it that, that the owner of it called the general public? Do you remember that? So effing idiots. You know, do you remember that? Do you remember that, folks? What do you expect? And there's a caller hanging on here from the UK. It's Pat. We'll see if Pat's still there. Hello? Yeah, hi, Anne. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, how are you? Very good, thanks so much. I hope it's not getting too cold in your neck of the woods. It probably is, uh, Canada, but, uh, yeah. um, yeah, chilly, chilly here, but not as quite as cold last, as last week when we had snow and everything. Um, yeah. Interesting what you're just saying about the IMF earlier on. Um, I think that probably I'll ask you a question whether you think this is true, that obviously, you know, the IMF, it, it, it has that nice sort of benevolent name, you know, International Monetary Fund, to sort of let it appear as to be, you know, a benign sort of organisation that helps countries out that are going through a little bit of a tough time and helps them out in a nice way, in, in, in an easy way and everything. But, of course, it's, it, is a, it is a predatory globalist organisation as far as I can see it. And mm-hmm. they've got Ireland in the, in, in, in the grips of uh, things. Now, didn't they also... Um, operate under its own fractional reserve type of, 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 of uh, sort of uh, deal under its own protocol, whereas if a, if a member subscription is, as you mentioned, 500 million, what it really can do is it, it can leverage that on its own books yeah. nine times or ten times or whatever it's decided. So it actually mm-hmm. becomes the potential to lend or, or, or to, to buy up debt or to lend Ten times that, so it could effectively then, with all the other yeah. nations, you know, nine times that amount. So therefore, that can become sort of five billion. Mm-hmm. So that therefore becomes a snare and entrapment to whatever con- country it lends to, to the tune of five billion. And of course, it then creates all this money from nothing, mm-hmm. and then of course it demands its interest payments in gold. So it won't. Yes. It's, that's what I've heard. So it won't even accept its own fiat money back in interest. It wants yeah. gold. So this is really like a kind of global 
global monster and, and perpetual debt machine which is designed to ensnare whole whole nations and i'm surprised how we got out we were we were in it in the time of dennis healy briefly i don't That's know how right. we managed to get out i mean we did get out of it eventually but am i right or am i completely wrong Oh, you're absolutely right on that because the IMF is the, big, the world's biggest purchaser of gold for themselves. You're quite right. And, and they, do dem- they do demand payment in gold. And they're not a sort of charitable institution that lends money and, and, and you pay it back on an equal sum uh, or a small amount of interest. They have quite a lot of interest, believe you me. Ask the third world countries that they've, they've been demolishing across the world for its whole existence, in fact. So you're looking, it's a huge institution. And... Uh, and it's private, and, and they're just raking in cash like you wouldn't believe. And uh, and they, they put whole nations down. When, you're, when your country signs on to it, they're putting you down as a guarantor, all the citizenry down, to pay off any debts that they may incur if they borrow money from the IMF, or even if the IMF demands money from them, like Britain right now. Because I was reading the papers, too, uh, that the, the latest EU uh, thing to do with the IMF and the central bank, they've got the EU bank there, it's all part of the same system. When they demand so many millions from Britain to bail somebody out, Britain's given about 11 or 12 days to pay it up or else. That's what they say. That's what they said in the paper. So we're in this perpetual scam where a minority at the top are just plundering the planet under various guises of almost charitable organizations. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does so much have that, that ring about it. And, of course, it's funny how I, I remember a, a while ago hearing a speech from one of the UKIP people. Um, yeah, and he was talking, he mentioned this thing, we still have got fractional reserve banking. And it just seems that fractional reserve banking has just been the scourge of our society for the last 100 years, uh, allowing this perpetual debt machine and the, the, the creation of money out of nothing based upon... And Europe and Canada, and of course you've got that brilliant uh, um, that uh, graphics artist who created all that that, that um, animated series, Money is Debt, and of course it's got to version three now about possible solutions, which is a phenomenal, eye-opening um, video all about how banks create money. Very few people know this, you know. I know. How, how, you know, mm-hmm. Very few people know what banks are up to. How the, the people at the tellers don't know what goes on. They don't know that when you sign on the loan agreement, that the bank never had that money in the first place, and that the banks That's create right. money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could divide, divide a whole series to you know about the, that particular oh, yeah. subject. Maybe. Uh, the problem is though that there's lots of stuff over the years I've read on this very topic, uh, and it's not like the information is has been suppressed. There's lots of stuff out there uh, going through this in great detail, in every country, in fact. Uh, but nothing changes because all the minorities that run your countries uh, are in on the big scam. And uh, even the, that video that's put out about Canada that used to at one time, uh, in fact, it escaped the Great Depression as opposed to other countries. Other countries came to Canada to see what we were doing differently. At that time, you had a bank that literally sold the cash that you're printing to the banks, the private banks, you see. Uh, and and so they, they made about ten cents profit on everything, and they helped run the government as well. And and uh, the banks couldn't do this fractional reserve thing. So this fractional reserve thing, yeah, for every dollar you now put in, I think they can lend out eleven times for that one dollar. They can put eleven dollars out there. If you go into a bank now, and and they do do a deal, say for half a million dollars, and they won't say here's the cash because they don't have the cash, as you say, in the bank. They simply open an account for you and put that cash in it right away. So it's just a sum of money uh, printed in a book, a checkbook, 
and, and that's that's your loan. That's, they have just created money out of nothing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I was able to get around that by, by, by loan fees and things like that, which they add, because they're meant to have so much on reserve before they can do the loan. But by yeah. charging you a fee, which they show separately on their books and actually add to the loan in, in some cases, that, that gives them their, their fractional reserve or their basis to leverage it whatever number of times. And it works like that. I mean, as you know, over here, we've still got building societies. They're fast disappearing, but, I mean, there's another merger recently under the Barnsley or something. They yeah. probably work in a similar way, although much stricter and to not a greater degree that they can manage things. Yes. Um, but but th 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 there's no sign, I mean, you know, of, of, of fractional reserve lending ever ending or, or, or being brought to, brought to book, basically, in the midst of all the other things that they get up to. Mm-hmm. It won't change. It will never change because uh, the whole idea of, of this uh, central banks and changing into this new system was brought out by, as I say, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private organization in England. And the Council on Foreign Relations is just, I say, the American branch of the same thing. And they have one for the European Union now, too, for all the politicians. They run the whole show. But um, every prime minister, literally, and this is from their own records, uh, for the last hundred years has been a member of they, they select them doesn't matter what party it is they select them and it's worth it it's worthwhile getting all the, their books on it because they push books out every year on themselves but what's interesting is that uh, they designed this whole system of fractional reserve banking they, they, they were the ones behind the Bretton Woods agreement that started the whole thing in the first place and um, and then when they, they asked Prime Minister Martin it was in, in Canada that's in that that Excellent documentary of, of uh, O Canada. I'll put that up again tonight to show you how it's done, this whole scam in Canada. He interviews the ex-prime ministers like, like uh, Martin and so on. And, and he, he asked Martin why debt was good for Canada, because that's what Martin said. He says the more debt we have is good for Canada, but he couldn't explain why it was good for Canada. So these guys are all in on the scam because they're selected by this institution, you understand. What it does is give a small, slight bunch of people total political control of over every country that's what it does and and its economy and its future this is a whole scam everything revolves around cash and money and they can the power of the purse to tax you to bring you into austerity to do whatever they want to do is all in their hands because it's all a fake money system and the banks, literally, as you say, to, to lend out money, they go into all the money that's owed to them, and they say, well, if, if, if this all was in, well, we could lend this money out. So they lend it out as though they had all that money in, but it's all IOUs that they've got out there, nothing else. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, it's power. It's yeah, power. okay. Well, that's very interesting. Thanks so much, Alan. Um, mm -hmm. I hope the rest of the program goes well. Um, good yeah. night. And good night and take care. Yep. Bye. Bye now. And I'll put uh, that uh, old Canada up again. That link is excellent. It goes through it so, so simply, so easily. Talks to all the ex-prime ministers and guys who are presently in government. And you'd be surprised how none of them know how money works at all. Except the ones at the very top. And, and they say that debt is good. The more debt you have, it, the better it is. Well, it is to hold on to power. And have people scared, terrified, and so on. That's what power is, you see. But that's the system that we live in. Now, uh, another article tonight, too, is to do with the, the changing uh, face, you might say, of humanity. <laughs> Not just their face, but we're being really loaded by chemicals and synthetic hormones and so on. This article says, human and synthetic hormones now contaminate fresh produce. 
and this is hormones and are under hormone, hormone mimicking chemicals are omnipresent environmental contaminants found in places such as varied as our teeth, such as dental sealant is in that, to our paper products, receipts, money and so on, our meats, to our canned foods, because they line the cans with the bisphenol A and different kinds. New research now indicates that even f- uh, fresh whole vegetables and fruits are no longer immune to the growing biological and chemical threat. The newly released study has found that a variety of substances with hormone-disrupting properties now widely contaminate commercially available fresh vegetables and fruits, in some cases at concentrations exceeding the recommended acceptable daily intake for children, as recommended by the Joint FAO, which is World Health Organization. And I don't trust him at all. I don't think they should have any acceptable levels on these poisons. Published this month in the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry, researchers at the Indian River Research and Education Center, University in Florida, IFAS, found the synthetic endocrine-disrupting chemicals bisphenol A and nonephenol, it's called NP, and the natural steroidal estrogen, 17B estradiol, in vegetables and fruits randomly sampled from local markets using gas chemotography and tandem mass spectrometry. According to the researchers, the BPA was detected in all vegetables and fruit samples ranging from, and it tells you that the, the ranging uh, scale they use, indicating significant exposure potential for humans. Nonolphenol, uh, a chemical in the, in the alkyphenol class, mainly used to manufacture detergents, was detected in pumpkins, sweet potatoes, citrus and apple samples. Concentrations of 17, I think it's B, estradiol, in vegetables and fruits range from, and it tells you again, Except, and except those in tomato and strawberry. The highest concentrations of BPA were found in potatoes, lettuce, and contained the highest concentration of natural estrogens. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and I'll go to, is it Leaf in California on the line? Hello? Um, yes. Uh, I was just calling in to comment on the, the fact of being awake to all of this. It's taken me several years to finally fully wake up. And I've got to say that it's relieving to know what's going on, but it's also really aggravating to not be able to talk about it with a lot of people around me just because it takes so much information to bridge from where they are watching football to yes. where I am knowing what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice for that? Where, I mean, wh- what's the best starting point for waking somebody up that you would say? Uh, you never overdose them off the bat, basically, with what you know. You, you, you pick something that's relevant to them. Uh, they, they'll, 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 they can associate uh, or connect with higher taxes for them, why it's happening, what austerity means, things like that. Uh, you, you can, you can, you can, things that may affect their jobs, like uh, the corporations moving to China, things like that. Um, all, all of those things they can associate with and, and understand and identify with. And then if the person's receptive, then eventually, maybe the next time you see them or a couple of meetings later, you can actually add a little bit more, but never overdose them. Or you'll sound like a, a cook to them. They are living in, a, in, in a, uh, uh, the authorized reality. And it's worked awfully well on everybody. That's your daily news, your daily media. It's a, a complete structural matrix, basically, that conditions them. 
and and they can't break out of it by by hitting them with too many things at one go. So it's got to be relevant to them, as I say, something that they, they can understand and affects them personally. And some will, will get stuck there. They won't go beyond anything just what affects them personally because people today are pretty well selfish. That's the, the system that was introduced into, the, uh, they called it hedonism, uh, and they, they created that culture. They designed it back in the 50s. Russell talks about it. So they might not care about anything else. Other ones might. So it depends on the individual that you're, that you're actually talking to. You'll, you'll, you'll suss them out rather quickly, pretty well. But the main thing is never overdose them and don't hit on your relatives and folk you know because you'll end up losing them all. You know, it's, you I mean you will. I've known, I've known people who've been either thrown at the house or split families up. That's quite common too. If a man wakes up or the woman wakes up and another partner doesn't. Um, that, that's quite common. So don't bulldoze your way through in a panic phase, because it's not, don't be in a panic phase. Uh, just put it over very sensibly, logically, quietly, uh, and see what feedback they give, give you in the conversation. That tells you where they are, and if you can actually help them to wake up. Some will grasp what you're saying, and they'll come to you for more information. So uh, that's really how to do it. Be, be very careful if you, you, you don't want to, to, to lose people. It's not their fault. They're conditioned. Complete, they're completely perfect. It's called perfect conditioning. Well, yeah, I mean, I, most of the people that I work with at my job, for instance, are fantastic people, but they're absolutely mad about football, and that's one of the most um, aggravating things for me. And I think back to your talk in Alex Jones' movie about how the sports culture was given to us Mm-hmm. And I see that so clearly, but it's so hard to figure out how to bridge into explaining that without having yes. to cook, you know? And remember, too, your workplace, too, uh, that this banter of, of sports is also a technique that guys naturally use. Otherwise, most of them would never associate with each other in that workplace. It's a workplace that they have to associate. And that's the only training they've been given is, is it's a macho thing. And, and they, they present that as a macho thing. But really, most of them wouldn't even be friends at all or know each other if they were left in just average life. So don't think because they're all work, workmates that they are workmates. Uh, they're, they're individuals like anywhere else across the, the, the country. Thank it's, you very much. That's what they do. From Hamish Massey from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.